listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a bi-weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends. The monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Summer is here, and now that it's hot, the bugs are out with a vengeance. And while we all love the heat and water and light, I think it's safe to say that I'm not alone in my opinion that mosquitoes are the worst animal to ever exist. Luckily for us poor, water-loving blood bags, many animals eat mosquitoes during the day. Frogs, fish, birds. But when night falls, that's when the true champions of mosquito-eating come out to play. Bats. A single little brown bat, Myotis lucifugus, can eat 1,000 mosquitoes an hour, a fact that I take a lot of personal comfort in. As if that weren't service enough, bats across the world do a surprising variety of beneficial tasks for humanity and the world at large, including eating crop-damaging pests, such as rootworms and june beetles, pollinating crop plants, such as figs, bananas, and almonds, ensuring seed production in the agave plants used in tequila, and donating the anticoagulant properties of their saliva to medications used for human heart attack and stroke victims. Despite this, though, most mythology about bats is still largely rooted in the fear of creatures in the dark. So this week, let's learn a little bit about bats, including some bat facts you may not know, some bat deities you really should know more about, and some possibly related monsters that read like bad Batman prototypes. So, to start, what is a bat? Well, as it turns out, over 25% of all mammals are bats. So let's not play coy. There's a good chance you've already seen one. On top of being such a large percentage of mammals, there are also over 1,200 species, so it's also probable you've even seen more than one species. Though sometimes they're colloquially referred to as mice with wings, bats belong to the order Chiaptera and are more closely related to primates than rodents. This becomes especially clear when you take into account that bats can learn, form symbiotic relationships with other species, and even engage in altruistic behavior. Some species even modify their habitat to better suit their needs. For example, the Honduran white bat, an adorable white bat with yellow nose and ears, will cut large leaves to make tents to protect the colony from rain while they roost. The tiny woolly bat of West Africa, not wanting to put in all that effort to construct homes, simply moved in as a species to the spacious webs built by colony-forming spiders. I assume this arrangement works out well, because whenever it's time to decide what's for dinner, I think both parties pretty much unanimously agree on bugs every time. Bats also have one of the most fascinating and least understood immune systems in the animal kingdom. They can carry diseases such as rabies, Ebola, and Hanipah virus without ever contracting the disease themselves. And some species have become immune to insect venom, such as the pallid bat of western North America, which feeds primarily on scorpions and centipedes. Despite this impressive ability to carry a virus without becoming victim, 
It is worth mentioning that this does not apply to all diseases, unfortunately. Currently, one of the greatest threats to North American bat species is white-nose syndrome, a fungal disease brought over from European populations of bat, which are immune to it. This disease has been particularly difficult to combat, partially because of how bats behave socially. Socially, many bat species roost in large groups called colonies. While all species practice regular individual care, such as grooming and young rearing, some species engage in social grooming and young rearing, where pups from the entire colony all roost together, sometimes in groups of up to 500 per square foot, as in the case of the Mexican free-tailed bat. In addition to this communal childcare, some species of vampire bats will actually adopt orphan pups, and will even go so far as to donate some of their nightly meal to roost mates who haven't been able to feed that night. Of the cultures with bat-related deities, few acknowledge this altruism so well as the Samoans do with their goddess, Lutogi. You see, before she was goddess, Lutogi was a princess of the Samoan Islands, who was sent to the neighboring island of Tonga to become one of several wives of the king of Tonga, as part of a peace treaty between the two islands. However, after the marriage, Princess Lutogi was held in low esteem by the warlike people of Tonga. For example, when she discovered a wounded baby bat, Lutogi took pity on him and nursed him back to health herself until he could be returned to the colony. This act of kindness was seen as weakness, and the people's hearts turned against their new princess. But the baby bat's family did not forget her kindness. Eventually, the king of Tonga's family fell into misfortune, and the people accused Princess Lutogi of being a witch. She was sentenced to die by fire. But, as the flames leapt higher around her, thousands of bats filled the sky, and urinated down on the pyre in the crowd, extinguishing the flames and saving the princess's life in only a mildly gross way. The Tongans bummed that their angry mob routine didn't work out, then exiled Princess Latogi to a barren and deserted island, with the assumption being that she would probably starve to death out of sight and out of mind. But Princess Latogi did not die. Instead, she lived in style, with bats bringing her plenty of fresh fruit and berries and nuts to eat, and keeping her company whenever she got lonely. Eventually, the bats even moved into the caves on the island, and as bats do with their guano, even made the island fertile again. And that's the story of how Princess Lutogi became goddess and protector of bats and fertility. And then there's Kamasats. Kamasats is a Mayan bat god, and is the polar opposite of Lutogi in all respects but one. Kamasats is a god tasked with guarding the passage between the human world and the underworld Shubalba, and is associated with night, death, sacrifice, and fertility. Maybe unsurprisingly, Kamasats literally translates to death bat. Kamasats had the head and wings of a bat and the body of a human, and depending on where you read, a very sharp knife. In the holy book of the Mayans, the Popol Vuh, Kamasats has a standoff with the two hero twins, Hunapu and Shibalanke, as part of their trials in Shibalba. 
The twins, having disturbed the gods of Shibalba with a particularly rowdy game of polota, were tasked with making it across the River of Decay and the River of Blood, and then surviving succeeding nights in the Dark House, the House of Razors, the Cold House, the House of Jaguars, and the House of Fire. Having survived all five nights at Freddy's, the twins' last challenge was to survive a final night in the House of Kamasots, the Bat of Death. The bats of the house had deadly fangs, but the twins were able to hide inside their own blowpipes until morning. And do not ask me where they got shapeshifting powers, because I do not know. They almost made it out the entire night without incident, too. But Hunapu got too eager and poked his head out to check if it was morning. At which point, Kamasots decapitated him and flew away with his head, bringing it to the Pelota court of the gods of Shibalba. But when not decapitating people, or in the case of the Arawaks, occasionally carrying off villagers who venture outside at night, Kamasots' other role was watching over pregnant women. Pregnant women would venture to a sacred cave in what is now Veracruz, Mexico, and offer sacrifices to Kamasots to ensure a healthy delivery, which could be a pretty scary ordeal before modern medicine. The idea was that the home of Kamasots and his bat children was a dark, encompassing place, similar to a woman's womb, and to ensure safe delivery, women would ask the god to guide their baby out of the darkness of the womb. Our final guests for the episode are the giant bat creatures of Senegal, Saram, Java, Cameroon, and Australia. Aside from being literal interpretations of the noun Batman, these species of bat monster are interesting in that they actually bear quite a few similarities to each other, both physiologically and in hunting methods. For example, the Gia Fairo, or the fear that flies at night, of Senegal, is an odiferous cryptid that has the face of a man, giant bat wings, and the propensity to swoop down and kill with its partially fear-inducing stench. Likewise, the Garcane of Australian Aboriginal mythology also has the face of a man, giant bat wings, and the ability to cause death by stank. The only difference is the Garcane will only envelop you in its wings if you enter the jungle along the Liverpool River. Whereas, the Gia Pharaoh makes house calls. That's right. The fear that flies by night, putting European vampires to shame, absolutely does not need to be invited into your home to come inside, and absolutely can appear behind locked doors. A trick that I'm sure it uses on the reg. Though I couldn't find a testimony to their smell, the Ahul of Java and the Olitiao of Cameroon also employ engulfment by wings in their prey capture, with the Ahul initially stalking their prey from above, but upside down to remain undetected, and the Oletiao choosing instead to rush their prey before enfolding them in their wings. Both species also feature their teeth prominently in their hunting style, with the Ahul delivering a fatal, spine-snapping bite to their prey using prominent fangs, and the Olitiao using the two-inch-long serrated teeth in their lower jaw to get the job done. Both the Ahul and the Olitiao also have a reported wingspan of around 12 feet, 
which is an interestingly specific number to be shared by two distinct cryptids. The only species that doesn't seem to engage in ambush hunting is the Orang Bati of the Saram. This monster, making its home on a specific mountain, seems to prefer simply abducting infants and children at its leisure, and only causes adult fatalities if an adult happens to accidentally come across them. And even then, it's not an immediate death, as adult fatalities seem to be the result of the accidental transmission of Hanipa virus, a deadly virus that can be carried on the saliva of large flying fox species, such as Teropus vampiris. So, maybe if you stumble across the Orang Bati, just try to avoid going in for the kiss. That's it this week for All Things Baddie. If you like this episode, flutter over to the show notes for more delicious info. Intro and outro music were done by friend to all bats, Scott Ethington. Echo locate more of his music at Pazooka Raccoon on SoundCloud.com. Finally, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes, or consider donating to our Patreon. Every little bit helps, and more support means I'm more motivated to do the best job I can to bring you more monsters. Thank you for listening, and remember, anyone can be a monster. <laughs>